to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Ashley. And I'm Matt. And joining us today is our friend Grant. Hello, Grant. Hi, guys. And this is another episode in our 13 days of Halloween, where for the 13 days leading up to Halloween, we're going to talk about a movie in the horror, mystery, thriller genre. And today's movie is Psycho 3, and Matt's going to tell us about it. Yeah, so it's a brief primer. Um, we have Psycho from 1960, Alfred Hitchcock film. Most folks are familiar with it. Janet Lee plays a woman on the run who ends up at the Bates Motel in the middle of nowhere. Uh, she meets up with the hotel proprietor, Norman Bates, played by Anthony Perkins, who has some mental health issues. <laughs> uh, and he dresses up as his dead mother and kills women. Hmm. And he kills her. He gets caught at the end and put in a mental institution where he stays until the early 80s, where in Psycho 2, we find him released. Uh, he goes right back to living at the hotel, which I don't think is a good idea, but he goes <laughs> back there. Um, Vera Miles is the uh, she played the sister of Janet Lee in Psycho. She's back in Psycho 2, along with her, who we find out is her daughter, played by Meg Tilly. And they try to conspire to drive Norman insane. It ends up working. And he kills, at the end of Psycho 2, a woman named Mrs. Spool, who claims to have been the person behind all of the murders we saw in Psycho 2. And also that she's Norman's real mother. All right. So mm-hmm. Psycho 3 opens is, is actually, well, I should say Psycho 3 came out three years after Psycho 2. But it's set a month later. Norman has Mrs. Spool stuffed and sitting in uh, his house. He is now back to doing what he's doing in the original Psycho. He's, 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 you know, um, killing women, thinking that he's his mother. And, um, Diana Scarwood is in this. Um, she plays Maureen, who's a former nun who finds herself at the Bates Motel. Jeff Fahey plays kind of a scuzzy guy who's on his way to California to, or in, I guess they're in California, but he's on his way to LA, I think, to, you know, start a music career. Um, and that's, oh, there's a reporter played by Roberta Maxwell, who is, um, I guess, just doing a story about Norman. That's your kind of really long setup for Cycle 3. I find it hard to talk about Cycle 3, though, without going over the history of it. Um, and so anyway, Grant, what are your thoughts on this? So Psycho uh, 3, so I think it's best to say first that Psycho 2 has a very good reputation <clears throat> as being a film which, I mean, doing a sequel to... <laughs> Hitchcock Psycho was never going to be easy, and and, and that film I think did quite well at that. Uh, I really like Psycho Three. I think that Psycho Three is technically an excellent film in terms of how how well it's made, how well it's shot. the The film looks very European, and I think Anthony Perkins, who directed this film, that was one of his intentions was to sort of make it a bit more. Um, like a giallo or something in terms of the look of the film. Uh, the score by Carter Burwell is is superb. And up there for me with, um, you know, Herman's score from the original movie, I think it's really eerie and it works really well. I think Anthony Perkins in this film is, uh, as usual in the series, very good. Some people will view, I think, his performance in this film as going further and further on the sort of camp spectrum. Uh, and perhaps becoming less frightening um, in, that, in that regard. So he's sort of sending himself up in a way. It's almost a parody, I, I, I think, his performance in this film. Um, 
But as I say, I, I think the film is technically very good. Uh, the, the, the plot runs very similar to the first movie. And it's like a mirror of that film. There are lots of scenes which are very similar to scenes in the uh, in the original film. And there's some lovely references uh, which sort of touched my heart to sort of vertigo at the beginning of the movie. Um, and uh, there's a, uh, a, a two shots I just wanted to mention, guys, which I think are really great when you watch them again. Um, one, one is there's a there's a shot of a, a, a door opening. And it's it's shot so that the the light underneath the door is is basically the reflection of a kitchen knife, and it sort of seamlessly moves from the kitchen knife to the light under the door. And I thought that was a, a lovely little shot. And the second one is the, uh, our characters are in a bar um, in town, and uh, there's a show on the television, and the camera sort of. Uh, zooms into the show on the uh, on the bar and the television and then zooms out and you're in Norman you're in the Bates Motel where Norman is watching the same show on his television and the way that's done is again is, is really nice so I think there's there's lots of nice little touches in this film and uh, as I say I'm a I'm a big fan but I, I don't think that that's a common view so it's only been in recent years that I've seen the sequels to Psycho. I, I hold Psycho to be, you know, in high regard, and I'd always kind of heard negative things about the sequels. Um, but actually, uh, you know, they're quite good, and I'm, I'm glad that Matt introduced me to them. They're movies that I think he likes a lot, and he certainly quotes a lot, because watching this movie, I, I found it amusing how many lines um, are I hear commonly from Matt. Um, <laughs> But what makes the Psycho movies work for me is always Anthony Perkins. And I think he just, you know, obviously I think the role, he became so associated with the role that it was kind of difficult for him. But I think he does such a good job with it. Even, I I think there's diminishing returns in the sequels. I don't think he's quite as good as he was in the, in the original film here. You're right. It is more broad. It's, it's kind of campy. Um, but I still, the, the internal struggle, he's so good at depicting that and he's just very effective. And I, and I, he's very watchable. I mean, no matter what you think of the plot of this movie or, or anything else, he's just fun to watch. And so, yeah, I, I like that movie. You're right. As a director, he turns out to be really very, very competent. And I love the scenes that you mentioned, but I think the whole movie is just, um, done really well <laughs> yeah um so i used to watch this and psycho 2 a lot when i was a, a kid maybe not always the best idea but that's that's the way it rolled <laughs> uh i didn't see psycho until i was at least i'm thinking about the house i lived in when i watched it for the first time i was at least um um 10 or 11 i was probably 12 maybe and um hadn't seen the sequels yet didn't actually, I went in kind of cold. Uh, I knew of it, but I didn't know what it was about. And I, at that point, I was watching it. And, uh, you know, during the last half of the movie, I was just sitting there like, so he's dressing up as his mom, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of what I, I just kind of guessed it. So in, in, in the climactic psycho scene where he, he tries to attack Vera Miles and he's dressed as his mother, I'm sure in the 60s. That was a shocking scene. Mm-hmm. But I was just sitting there on the couch, stone faced. Uh, <laughs> 
I, I love, I love Psycho though, and I, and I appreciate it a lot. Um, it just didn't have a lot of shock value for me. I, I, I appreciate its, um, its craft. Sometimes a little more than the content, which actually I can say the same about Psycho 3. <laughs> um, rewatching it again for this uh, episode, I was finding myself really appreciating the craft. Grant's talked beautifully about uh, the direction uh, by Anthony Perkins. Um, those scenes you mentioned are great, Grant, uh, particularly the one uh, you talked about what starts in the bar and then moves to the, the, the hotel's office and the same shows on both televisions that actually disoriented me the first time I watched it. Um, another scene that's sort of similar or in that vein is when Norman visits Maureen. Um, he actually goes to kill her as mother and then finds that she's um, tried to commit suicide. So she goes to the hospital and he visits her there. It's a little touching scene. And then, um, he leaves, and as he closes the hospital door, he's actually closing the door, I think, to the bedroom where his mother's, of, of his mother's bedroom, and starts to have a, a quote unquote conversation with her. That's a very, another interesting kind mm-hmm. of scene. This movie, though, in my opinion, is almost a little too artful for its own good. I almost find myself focusing more on how it's done than the actual story that it's presenting. Um, I love Psycho 2. And we talked about this um, on our previous 31 Days of Halloween series uh, a year or two ago, and I, I love Halloween or Psycho 2. <laughs> um, that's directed by Richard Franklin, who's sort of a Hitchcock acolyte. Um, I think everything, everything uh, Grant's mentioned about the influences on this movie are correct, so I won't belabor those. Um, it's just, it's just such a different tone from Psycho 2. And I've always found that a little hard to get my head around, particularly because I was, it wasn't in this particular rewatching. I actually focused on like, okay, how long after Psycho 2 is this set? Cause that was unclear and it's stated in there. It's a month. And some of the things in this, so Norman's behavior changes from Psycho 2 to Psycho 3. Grant kind of touched on that. I think some people that works for others, it's, you know, um, I lost a little of my empathy for Norman. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel he's, he's, he's weird. He, movies are an interesting thing. So movies will provide you some empathy for characters who, if they were in real life, you would just look at them as monsters and want them, you know, locked up forever. You know, I mean, um, Norman Bates in real life would just be the focus of a true crime show and people would be aghast. In a movie, like in Psycho and Psycho 2, he, he, you feel this empathy for him. And in Psycho 3, I lost some of that because of Perkins' portrayal. Mm-hmm. And it particularly comes in a sharp contrast when you realize this is just a month later. <laughs> um, another difference I think that is really a sharp contrast is the house. So um, the Bates house, we see a lot of it in Psycho 2. And he does, it's, they do a good job. Like once he starts living there, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's still kind of a gothic type house, but it feels lived in. It feels nice and clean for the most part. Um, by the time Psycho 3 comes around, it feels very, it's full of dust. Um, the, the blinds, the, 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 the window shades are, are, are torn and they're pulled down quite a bit. Um, his kitchen table is covered with, um, whole bunch of crap basically and stuff he uses for his taxidermy it's just like a someone with a depressive disorder um lives there 
So it's just um, such a contrast. And I don't know. I've talked a lot. Grant, what are some of your further thoughts? On uh, I, I agree with all that, Matt. Um, <clears throat> uh, I wanted to mention uh, two other things, which I, I didn't say originally. Um, there's quite, a, quite an interesting contrast here again, uh, sort of between Anthony Perkins's character, Bates, and, and Jeff Fay, right? Because Jeff Fay is everything. He's the sort of reflection of Norman and, and, and the opposite. He's confident. He's good with women. Um, he's got all those things that Norman, you kind of think he wants, but can't get because he's obviously um, slightly crazy. <clears throat> and I, I, I like that in the film. Uh, and I, the religious symbolism in this film is quite heavy as well. That's the other thing I wanted to mention. Um, I mean, it, obviously, it starts off um, uh, with, with, with Diana Scarlett and Maureen, but uh, throughout the film, there's a sort of religious, um, you know, a sort of theme of atonement uh, and things like that, which I think runs through the series, but is particularly strong in this movie. And there is a scene in the in the Bates house where it almost looks like the the, 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 the kitchen window in the back of the house has been shut like, like a stained glass window in a church, the way the light is coming through. It looks a bit like that. And uh, it's a film, I think, that every time I watch it, I find something else to think, oh, that's interesting. Um, and I think that's, that's going to say something very positive about the movie. Uh, uh, just with it on, the, on the comparison to Psycho 2, um, I think like Psycho 2 is a much more sort of, engage, I would say, engaging thriller and much less about um, the artistic sort of side of filmmaking. And you're right, they completely changed the approach in the series. And uh, putting Anthony Perkins in the director's chair, I would have imagined, would be regarded as a huge risk. Um, but he comes out of it flying, in, in, in my opinion. And I think that I, I do prefer this film to Psycho 2. Um, so I, to, my, to me, I've always kind of felt that the, the change in... I've, I've explained the change in uh, Norman's character and behavior as the result of kind of a downward, downward spiral that he's had in the last month. Because the events of, at the end of Psycho 2, I think were pretty dramatic for him. And so I, I think, and, you know, given his emotional instability already, I feel like, you know, a month is plenty of time for him to, to have this kind of downfall. Um, and yeah, he probably hasn't been focusing on his house cleaning like he was before. So I, I think it, it just kind of reflects his mental state, the condition of the house and the... I don't know. The movie, you're right, though, has a very different feel, and a lot of it is owed to the the other character, um, Jeff Fahey, this character who is so sleazy. And the, Dwayne Duke, most people call him Duke. <laughs> yeah, he's so sleazy. The, the movie really has kind of this grimy feel to it that the that the previous films uh, didn't have. I wanted to talk about that. Um, it's interesting, you know, Psycho particularly is held up as this, you know, great movie, and it is. But Psycho really is is kind of a trashy little movie. I mean, <laughs> Hitchcock made it, um, you know, Hitchcock was a populist director, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, he's not David Lean or anything like that. I mean, he's, he, I mean, he's a great director, but he, he, he made a lot of, um, movie for the, ma- movies for the masses. And, um, 
you know, he, he produced Psycho on a fairly lean budget using his television crew. And it's got Janet Lee, you know, in her, in her lingerie, her undergarments. And it's got a toilet, which in 1960, I think, I think it's, that's a big deal. And I think I've read that this is the first movie that ever like, had a toilet in it right. <laughs> on camera. Um, so Psycho is kind of this little trashy movie. Psycho 2 is your 80s trashy thriller movie. Psycho 3 is kind of scuzzy. <laughs> I mean, it's got like, you're right, the Jeff Fahey character is, he's scuzzy. He's a scuzzy guy. Um, he's in the hotel for or motel for maybe a day or two. And he's already got pictures of naked women plastered all over <laughs> his 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 hotel room that he's staying in and got the lights turned purple uh, he got I don't know where, he found time to go to the hardware store and get purple bulbs <laughs> um there's a lot of naked women um it just has this um it has this sort of scuzzy feel to it which you've got to be in the right mindset for i think <laughs> sometimes i'm okay with it sometimes i'm not um and again, your mileage may vary. It may, some people may feel I'm off base with that, but I feel like it's just got this different, uh, it's got a whole different vibe to it than, you know, I feel like Psycho and Psycho 2 are fairly decent companion pieces, which is fairly remarkable to say given they're 20 years apart, but, um, Psycho 3 is, is sort of off on its own. I do really like, um, the Carter Burwell score that uh, Grant touched upon earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think actually that adds to the vibe. I mean, you know, Anthony Perkins was like, I'm making this little scuzzy, trashy movie, <laughs> and uh, but it's going to look all artful and stuff, you know. <laughs> Carter Burwell was like, say no more. I've, I've got the score for you. And I, I actually think it's a really good score. This is a little nerd alert here. Um, I used to listen to film scores when I would drive around in my car in the early 90s. I know some people listen to like, you know, uh, contemporary music. I listened to like the score for Psycho Three and Star Trek, Star Trek Four, Star Trek Six. Um, so that, yeah. Um, any any further thoughts, Grant? Uh, well, you must have been one of the few people driving around the US listening to the Carl Burwell Psycho Three. Uh, well, I was just going to say some, uh, just last reflection, really, uh, on what Ashley said which is about Anthony Perkins. And, you know, if, if you, lots of people look at the sort of psycho franchise in the kind of similar ways. You might look at it sort of Friday the 13th or Halloween, you know, sort of slasher franchise. But the fact that the villain here is Anthony Perkins and he has got, as you know, as Ashley said, it, it's, he's almost hypnotic to watch. You know, you could sort of, I could watch Anthony Perkins just clean his house. <laughs> just a, a, an interesting person to watch. And his he, one of the powerful things about his performance is his physical um, uh, movements and things like that. It's not what he says; it's the little twitches, you know, the sort of the way he's, you can you can see that he's tortured. Um, and in many ways, I think the actor was he was tortured in his private life and from being typecast. And that helped him in that role because he. Um, I read. I read his. I read his autobiography, and it, it's. It does seem to be there's a lot. There's a lot of crossover between his character and his own life in terms of, you know, a kind of double, double, double personality and, and really wrestling with things. Yeah, uh, you mentioned his physicality there. One thing I wanted to mention real quick before we wrap up is, uh, 
I like the scene where it's in the diner. So there's the same diner in Psycho 2 and Psycho 3. And um, the reporter I mentioned at the start, she's in there trying to interview the staff and the sheriff who's in there as well. And then all of a sudden, Norman walks in and you hear like a little tingling of the <laughs> diner door. And it's such a creepy moment when he comes in and everyone stops talking and you hear his footsteps as he walks by. And uh, I like the way that that's done. Uh, so, uh, Grant, what would you give this out of 10? Uh, I'm going to give Psycho 3 an 8.5. Okay. I give it a 5.5. And, and Ashley? I'm going to give it a 6.5. Okay. I'm coming in low on this. All right. Uh, 6.8 from us. It's got a critic score, a fresh uh, 61%, audience score of 29% on the tomato meter. Ouch. Yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> All right. So that is Psycho 3. And thank you again, Grant, for joining us. Thanks for listening, everybody.